I'd say that most of my paper sales are libraries. Libraries and some online and some bookstores. I think bookstores play much smaller role in the actual sales channels than most people think they do. Stevens. I am the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers and this is the Taylor Stevens show with Steve Campbell and today I have no idea what we're doing so Steve take it away. All right I've, I've been fascinated for the last few years by something uh, and it's the way books are sold tr- especially traditionally published books. I, I know in, in talking to you that library sales are really important and bookstore sales are really important uh, versus some other authors that I've spoken to where it's, it's Amazon or nothing, or it may be Amazon and iBook. So let's talk about, uh, for you, for a traditionally published author, uh, where are your books sold? Uh, well, for those who are looking to buy them, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Fine books are sold. <laughs> yes. Please go find them. Okay. And we'll um, be back next week. That, that was easy. <laughs> First of all, it's an interesting thing for traditionally published authors. Not We don't always have a really good gauge on our sales because we are we simply produce the product. We write it. And then the publisher takes over. And we're dependent on them to get back with us of, you know, which, which channel streams the books are selling in. Now, my parent company is Random House, and Random House does have a pretty good author portal, and it allows me to see in terms of where, whether books are being sold in bookstores or online retail or that. But it doesn't break it down like this many at Barnes & Noble or this many at Books A Million or whatever. So um, my numbers are a little hazy in that, in, to that level. But I'm able to see ebook versus print versus hardback versus paperback and such. And it's really, it's depended a lot for me based on which book and you know, how far along in the series, what went on sale at when, whatever, because publishers will often do um, ebook sales whereby, you know, $1.99 for a month to promote the series or whatever. And that's going to affect sales a lot, but it's not going to make much of a dent on my pocketbook because the, the actual royalties for those are just pennies. So um, sales versus income is a little bit of a debate. Um, for me, I tend to look at where the actual physical copies are selling because although ebooks are fantastic and I know a lot of people love them, the prices are so variable that it doesn't give me a very good gauge on um, what, you know, it, it's just, it's fluid. So I'd, I'd say that most of my paper sales are libraries. Libraries and um, some online and some bookstores. I think bookstores play much smaller role in the actual sales channels than most people think they do. You surprised me there. I, <laughs> and I'm, I'm almost speechless. Most of the paper sales are libraries? Yes. Wow. And it's some guesswork involved in that. But it goes like this. 
the only way to track actual point, actual sales of books, point of sales, is through a company called Nielsen, which I think also does the TV ratings or whatever. And they do point of sales tracking from specific stores. So Nielsen BookScan does not capture every single paper sale. It doesn't capture airport sales. It doesn't capture sales that are being um, like sold at, not that I've really had a chance to do this, but if you go to like a big speaking engagement and then, you know, a hundred books are sold, like the author sells their own books there or something, mm-hmm. um, those aren't going to be trackable through there. So what the publisher does is they have a very, they, they will show you actual point of sales data that they have, and they will show you how many books they have shipped out that have not been returned. And for me, based on, since library sales are not caught by Nielsen BookScan, I look at the difference between books shipped and books sold and subtract. And that to me tells me, give or take roughly, how many books are A, in a library, or B, sitting in a store bookshelf somewhere that hasn't been sold yet and hasn't been returned to the publisher. Or C, sitting in a distribution warehouse of Baker and Taylor or one of the big distributors. But most bookstores and the distributors will return books to the publisher within a reasonable amount of time, three months, four months after the publication date. If they haven't sold them, they're sending them back. So they might keep, you know, one or two copies on their store shelves, maybe. But for me, in my case, those are mostly just the first and second book. They're not keeping third, fourth, fifth books on their shelves. So when a book has been out by six months, for six months, I can look at those numbers and pretty much tell you with a fair sense of accuracy how many of those were library sales because those are the ones that are still out there and haven't been sent back. How close are these estimates that you're making in your own mind, how close do they come to a a royalty statement that you might get, I don't know, six months or a year after uh, the release date? Well, it's really hard to gauge that, too, because with paper, it's accounted for differently with, than with ebooks. When an ebook is sold, it's sold. And you're going to see the money for that ebook show up uh, on that royalty statement, well, four months ago or five months ago. But, you know, because royalty statements are only done every six months with the big publishers that I know of. I mean, okay, there's variables. This is not hard and fast. But most books, on average, with the big publishers are accounted for every six months. So when that publishing period closes out, you might not get the check for four or five months, but within that publishing period, whatever ebooks were sold in that period, you're going to have that money show up on your royalty statement in some form or other, whether it's just to go towards your author's advance or if you've earned out, then it comes to you in the form of a payment. Paper, on the other hand, when a publisher sends, ships these books out, they know a certain number of them are coming back. So they don't write you a check for that. They're like, well, we shipped 6,000 books, but we think at least 3,000 of them are coming back. So we're going to pay you for 2,000 of them. And we're keeping the rest of it on reserve. And then as books come back to them, those reserves start dwindling. And then when they feel like, okay, these books aren't coming back, then they will release that money. But it could be a year 
a year and a half or more since the book published before the reserves are fully released. So it's really hard to actually do an apples to apples. Oh, I think I sold this many books this month, and this is what I'm seeing on my royalty statement this month. Okay. And how about uh, what we used to call paperback books? Do you, uh, are those still being sold? I mean, I, I see them at, at bookstores and things, but it's, it seems like it's, it's more, I don't know, I, I can't remember the last time I bought a softcover book. Yeah, they call it, well, there's two versions of, there's, there's trade paperback, mm -hmm. which are sort of a little bit smaller than a hardback book, but with a, with a soft cover on it. And then there's mass market, which are the big fat ones that are sort of um, shorter and narrower, but wider. You know, different ones have different appeals to different people and they have a different marketing, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, uh, they do still do those um, mass market books are much cheaper to buy. So you can buy a mass market for like $6.99 or $7.99 versus a trade paperback, which sells for $14 or $15. So mass markets are obviously, if, they, if there's a demand for them, they're going to sell more copies because they're cheaper. Where I think the, the pay, trade paperback sales have taken a big hit in the sense that they're competing directly with eBooks. Like if somebody wants to own a physical, tangible copy of the book, they're more than likely going to pay for the hardback. Yes. And so the trade paperback sales have somewhat diminished. However, publishers only print the hardbacks once. Unless it's some big book that's just like selling bazillion dollars and they're going to re-release it or whatever. So when the book first comes out in hardback, it comes out for... You know, if the if the first print run sells out, they'll do a second print run. They'll do a third print run as long as that that burn is going. But once it starts to slow down, that's it. They don't print any more of them. And then six months to a year later, they're going to print the trade paperback copy. And from that point onward, the only way that you're going to get a hardback book is if it's still on somebody's shelves or if there's somebody online who has the hardback copies. After a certain amount of time that the hardbacks since a hardback has been printed, the publisher basically remainders them, which means they sell them like they scratch them. They sell them for rock bottom prices or they pulp them. They get rid of them. They're not going to store them in their warehouses. So hardback books are more for collectors or people who want to own the tangible thing. And after that, trade paperback is all that's available or mass market. And at that point, the trade paperback, as long as the book is selling, the trade paperback sales will slowly, incrementally inch up, but it's going to, again, they're, at that point, they're directly competing with ebooks. So the only people who will get a trade paperback are those who just absolutely disavow ebooks and want that paper copy in their hands. Okay. Now, in, in your case, do you, is, is there a significant, and I'm, when I say significant, I mean even a measurable number of trade paperbacks sold? No, I don't, not very many. Um, but I mean, I should say not very many in relation to ebooks and hard copies because I, I know that I would sell more trade paperbacks than some books would sell in their entirety. So it's all relative. But as a, as a ratio towards the other formats, no, not at all. Okay. Now, back to the original topic for the show, where are the books sold? Do you have any sense at any point of, during the process, can you say that... 8% of my books are sold at Barnes & Noble or anything like that. Can you identify a specific endpoint vendor that's selling a certain percentage of your books? 
I'm just not able to do that because I don't have that data. That's something that self-publishers have that traditional publishers don't have. Or like, I know there are traditional published authors that have it, but they're like bankrolling the publishers because yes. they're mm -hmm. huge, huge bestsellers. And so they get access to a lot more stuff than people like me would get. But just based on industry numbers and, and based on other things, I, I would say that probably the lion's share of the sales uh, go to Amazon with the next big bulk going to Barnes & Noble and then maybe a small sliver being sold between, you know, all the other the others that are out there, Indies and Books A Million and um, other smaller chains that maybe I'm not as familiar with because they're not local to where I live. Okay. And one last question on this topic. You mentioned the the books, the e-books e that are put on sale from time to time. Uh, a lot of times uh, I see them when they come through a BookBub promotion. Or, or if you're just lucky and you happen to be at Amazon at that time, you, it might pop it up and let you know because uh, we've bought other books of yours that there's a, a book that's on sale. Now, indie authors are able to time those things and look at them in such a way that they can say, I ran this promotion, the book was $1.99 or $0.99 cents or whatever, and over the course of the next three months, I sold so many copies of that book where I made pennies on the dollar, but I sold 500% more of my other books where I'm making more money. Are you able to, do you, is your data granular enough that you're able to see that? To a degree, yes. I don't really track it to that level because in my opinion, when a book goes on sale, lots and lots and lots of people buy that book, but they don't necessarily read it right away. So the bumps for the other books are going to be minimal at best. And so I've just stopped. I just I haven't done it for years now. I used to, but I'm just like, you know, it doesn't make that big of a difference. My theory is that there are many ebook readers who buy far more books than they actually read. I don't have the data to know how many copies of those books are actually being read, but I can give you an example. When The Informationist was put on Kindle Daily Deal for $1.99, this was Kindle Daily Deal was still relatively new at that point. And so it was a big deal. They didn't have the weekly deals. And like now there's just deals everywhere for cheap books, mm -hmm. uh, cheap ebooks. So it sold 17,000 copies in one day. Now, before anybody gets too excited about that, just remember <laughs> I'm getting like 10 cents a copy or something ridiculous, okay? But 17,000 copies in that one day was enough to put it at number 10 on the New York Times bestseller list again. Competing with, <laughs> competing with books that had been selling all week long. And in that one day's worth of sales, it bumped it to number 10. The next week, I know the next, yeah, the next week, the total of the week of copies that had sold were like 600. Of all the books together of, or of the, informationist? the informationist? And I saw, uh, and th at this time, there were only two books available, mm -hmm. I believe. And I saw The Innocent bumped up to maybe for the 17,000 copies that The Information is sold, maybe 300 copies of The Innocent were sold. Something very, very small in a relative sense. So I've never seen another one of my books go on sale like that to have those crazy numbers. 
they'll go on sale and they'll have a good bump, but not like that. So proportionately, the rest of the books sell minimally in comparison. Where I see it, like some authors might look at it and go, well, that's 17,000 people who didn't buy my book at full price. Yes. I look at it like that's 17,000 people who never would have bought my book anyway. And maybe some of them will actually read it. And maybe some of them will actually enjoy it enough to continue the series. So for every you know, book that, for me, it's pretty much free. I know it's not for the person who's buying it. It's not free. But considering you know, the, the pennies that, that come back as royalties on those. So for every quote-unquote free book, maybe there's you know, a fraction of a person who loves my work and wants to know me as an author. And for me, that's where the value is. It's in the long term, people who love the series. Uh, but I think that the percentage of them are just so minimal compared to how many books get sold on sale. Because I would venture to say that of those 17,000, maybe 2,000 people read them. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, and that, that might even be pushing my luck. Yeah, who knows? And it's interesting that you said that some authors would look at that and see that that's 17,000 people that didn't pay enough for, um, I'm paraphrasing, didn't pay enough for the book. And I, I talk to people sometimes who say that after running a promotion. And it's it's an odd way of looking at things because 17,000 people weren't going to buy The Informationist over the course of that week or whatever it was. It, you know, Maybe it would have been a few hundred people that would have bought The Informationist. So then you would compare the, the revenue for 17,000 books versus the revenue for a few hundred books. And as you said, then you're exposed to all of those additional readers. Right. I, I get, look, I look at, now granted, see, you pay to go on BookBub and mm -hmm. promotions and stuff. And these days, like, there's no point in reducing the price of a book if you're not promoting it because there's just so much out there mm -hmm. that it's drowned. Nobody's going to find it by accident. It's just, it just, it's impossible. It's like finding one rock in the middle of the ocean. So for someone who's actually paying for their own promotion, that's a huge hit if it doesn't result in at least a break even somewhere else. But because my publisher paid for it, I have the luxury of being able to look at it as the cheapest form of advertising I could possibly get. Yes, and even the people who buy the book for $1.99 and never read it, they, your name registers a little bit more deeply in their mind because they bought one of your books. Yes, or then you get a situation where, and I had something really fun happen the other week, is um, there's a website called Spy Guys and Gals that's run by a really fun guy named um, Randall. And I hadn't ever heard of it before. And one of my fans had pointed me to it and said, you know, I think your books might be a really, really good fit for that site. Why, don't you, why aren't they on there? So I wrote to him and I said, hey, you know, a fan just pointed me to your site. And, you know, it's really fantastic. And I don't know if you think that my character, Vanessa Michael Monroe, might be a fit for you or not. But if you're interested in including her in your roundup, um, let me know and I'll see what I can do to make it happen. Uh, to get you books. And he wrote me back and he's like, oh, I've had your books on my Kindle for a long time and they've been on my to-be-read pile. I just never got around to them. But now that you contacted me, I'm going to read them. <laughs> so I hear from him like a week or so later and he's just, oh my God. And he wrote the most amazing write-up of Vanessa Michael Monroe. 
and just gave the the whole series an A plus. And and I mean, you, you, you I, I'm still like, oh my god, that's that's so exciting. That is so awesome. So here's somebody who clearly had bought the books already and just hadn't read them. So. There's those types of situations, too, where how do you rank that into that whole scenario of people buying, not reading, Mm -hmm. you know? So even if they never read it, but it's sitting on their Kindle, maybe a conversation will come up at some point and they're like, oh, yeah, I think I have that book. And I keep saying Kindle, which is awful. I should be saying e-reader, Nook, whatever. Sorry, please. Nobody shoot me. Um, (laughs) So I don't own one, by the way, any e-reader. So I well, I, I make up for it. you because here at the Campbell family, I think we have I think we have a combined seven. Oh my God! <laughs> so so anyway, all that to say is that you know there there are probably you know multiples of thousands of copies sitting on e-readers out there somewhere that haven't been read, but maybe one day someone's friend is going to say, oh my God, have you read of this book, heard of this book? You've got to read it. And then five years later, unable to account for it anywhere, this person reads the book and decides that they want to continue the series. So you just never know. I'm embarrassed to admit that from time to time, someone will recommend a book like that to me and say, oh, you've got to read this. And I'll go to Amazon to buy the book, and it'll say, you bought this book two years ago. And then I have to look it up and find it, and then I get to read it. Well, that's, I mean, That's exactly what you've been saying. Yes. 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 All right, that is it for this week. And this week, I'm thrilled to tell you that we have a call to action. Oh, woo! (laughs) I didn't have to think of it. Yay! It's it's kind of a the same old same old call to action, but this is the if you're not on Taylor's email list at taylorstevensbooks.com, you should get there because uh, this is the kind of thing she talks about to her readers. She talks about the publishing business uh, and actually gets into the actual numbers of the business, which is fascinating. If you're interested in this kind of show, you would be interested in Taylor's list, which again can be found at taylorstevensbooks.com, and you just. Just click on the Connect With Me button, right? Or you can just wait there for a little while, and Smiling Taylor will pop up. (laughs) Steve made me do it. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.